In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning to you, hale and hearty. So glad to see you today. I wonder if you've ever been driving along happily and easily nearing your destination when you came unexpectedly to a roadblock, like the bridge is out, or the sewer system broke, or there's a a marathon being run, (laughs) or a massive rainstorm, and your easy trip is uh, interrupted. And uh, the only way to get where you're going is now much longer and much harder than you anticipate. Well, in a commercial season uh, where we are driving happily towards Christmas, John the Baptist can seem a little like that roadblock. Uh, On the way to a Merry Christmas, the ministry of John the Baptist is disruptive. Much easier, I think, Uh, It would be, in some sense, more pleasant to just skip over John the Baptist and uh, head right to Christmas lights and candy canes and jazzy versions of O Come All Ye Faithful. Uh, And yet here he is, right? John the Baptist. And we have him this week and we have him next week. Um, This week we have have a description... uh, this week of of the character of John's ministry, and next week we have what John actually said. Uh, John the Baptist is disruptive, and he is incongruent with Amazon Prime, and Walmart Pickup, and Mariah Carey. Uh, John the Baptist is neither merry nor bright, and Yet, uh, he might not just seem disruptive, but in fact, a little out of place. I mean, the ministry of John the Baptist happened years after the birth of Jesus. And in fact, he comes just prior to Jesus' own uh, ministry. And wouldn't it make more sense then in this season to focus on the angel appearing to Mary and Joseph, or maybe to focus on Mary's song, the Magnificat? Perhaps. And yet for centuries, the wisdom of the church has stubbornly, and I would say thankfully, kept John the baptizer, John the bold proclaimer, John the disruptive prophet right here in Advent. And this is because John isn't so much interested in how Jesus came. And that's what we rightly celebrate at Christmas the baby in the manger born to a virgin, but rather John is interested in why Jesus came. John keeps us focused on the why. So that when we do get to Christmas and we peer inside that beautiful but simple manger and view the incomprehensible mystery of God incarnate, God vulnerable and needy. When we get there, we have as context why Jesus came like He did. And that's where we're going to land this morning. But in order to get there, in order to get to the why, let's take a look at the character of John's ministry. 
Our text says that the Word of God came to John. That's essentially what authorizes John's ministry. It's what makes him a prophet. God was speaking to John and speaking through John. The Word of God came to John. So what we want to see this morning is where the Word came, what the Word does, and why the Word does what it does. Where the Word came, what the Word does, and why the Word does what it does. First, where the Word came. Now our passage begins with all those names that Sarah read dutifully as our ministry intern uh, because it roots John's ministry at a particular time in history. But what I want to focus on is what it says next. That the Word of God came to John in the wilderness. The Word of God came to John in the wilderness. Now in one sense, I'm sure what we're talking about is uh, John hearing the voice of God sort of in the backwoods of Israel. right Away from the cities, away from civilization. But in a more devotional sense, I think we can take great comfort from the fact that the Word of God came to John in the wilderness, because isn't that where we need the Word of God? Isn't that where we need the Word of God to find us in the lonely times, in the wilds of our life, in the barren, dry seasons, when you've lost the path that you were on and you don't know which way to turn? These dry times, they find us. They catch us unaware. And maybe it's an unexpected season of unemployment. Or maybe it is a relationship that has gone painfully sour. Or maybe we wake up and we realize that we're not just social drinkers anymore. We've got a problem. Or maybe we're faced with a chronic illness. When our family moved to Birmingham, Alabama in 2010... Uh, I went there to be on staff at the cathedral, and everything was new and exciting for me. Uh, It was my new job. I was meeting new people. The work was challenging. The work was fun. Uh, It was invigorating for me. But back at home, Amy was in a new town where she didn't know anybody. And she had had to leave her best friend back in Charleston, where uh, we were serving before. Caroline... Uh, was just starting off in kindergarten, our oldest one, not, now in big school. And, uh, and Thomas was running around as a toddler, and Luke was a newborn who wanted to eat every couple of hours and needed Amy to be around for that. So uh, Amy was exhausted, and the walls were sort of closing in on her. And she hardly had time to gro- go to the grocery store, even if she knew where the gro- grocery store was. And it was a dry, wilderness time. And those are the times that we need God to show up. Maybe to bring us a friend, which is what happened in Amy's uh, season. Or to bring us a new job. Or to bring us the right counselor or physician. To bring springs of water in the desert, whatever that desert is for you. That may be how you meet God for the first time. Or it certainly might be how God grows your faith, though you have been walking with Him for many years. But what a comfort to know that the Word of God came to John in the wilderness. 
You may feel alone, but God sees you. In the messes of our lives, God doesn't wrinkle up his, his nose and wonder what's wrong with us. No, the wilderness is where He meets us. And so that's where He came. That's where the Word of God came, in the wilderness. So now let's take a look at what it does. What does the Word do? Well, St. Luke quotes the prophet Isaiah to describe the ministry of John the Baptist. And of course, he's preparing the people for Jesus. He's preparing the way. That's what John is doing. But what is the Word doing? What is the Word of God doing in the people that He's preparing? Well, Isaiah says very poetically, every valley shall be lifted up, or every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall become straight. The rough ways made smooth. Now what's, what's he talking about? The Word of God which came to John levels the playing field. I think that's what Isaiah is saying. Every valley shall be filled, right? Not turned into a mountain, but every valley should be filled. And those who are low, who are down, who are in the ditch, the Word of God lifts them up. Now those who are boasting in their accomplishments, who are trusting in their achievements, their possessions, they will be brought low. Not turned into a, put in the ditch, but on equal footing, on level playing field with those who have been brought higher. Now I've heard it said that preaching should comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And I think that's what Isaiah is saying. That those who are in the valley and those who were on top of the world, they are met on equal footing, shoulder to shoulder, with the Word of God. Those who are down and out and those who are up, both are made in God's image. Both have fallen away. Both need to repent. Both need God's grace. Both are given forgiveness. Both need to hold their possessions lightly. And both are called to love God and to love their neighbor. There are not different words of God for people at different stations of life. What the Word of God does is it levels the playing field. Because those, as you know, I mean, those who are low by one standard may be very, very up by another. And certainly, I mean, I've seen this many times, those who seem to be up by the standards of the world, they got the nice house, they got plenty of money, that there is often deep hurt and anguish or despair hidden behind the facade. So I don't know this morning if you find yourself resonating more with the afflicted who need comforting or with the comfortable who need afflicting. But the Word of God levels the playing field and puts us all on equal footing with God. That's what the Word does. So finally, why? Why does the Word do what it does? Why is every valley filled and every mountain made low? Well, Isaiah says that it is so that all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Everybody. All flesh. That's what all flesh means. Everybody. That's the point that everyone has a clear view of salvation. John is preparing the way, not just for Jesus, the man, but for the very salvation that Jesus would win for us. 
at our first church in Charleston, I had a friend uh, who uh, believed that God's goal was, and his only goal, was to get you saved. It just happened to be the tradition from, uh, that he grew up in, and whatever they said, that's what he heard. And, and in his mind, at least, that meant that God wanted to just get you through the door of salvation, and good job, see you in 80 years when you die. That's kind of, just, you know, just leave you. And that's really what he thought. And he was amazed when he discovered that salvation was in fact a living, present, living relationship with God for every moment and every situation of your life. It was not just the beginning of the relationship, but all the worship, all the study, all the service to others, all the sanctification. The whole life with God in this life and the next is salvation. And it was an incredible joy for him to discover that wonderful truth. And I hope it is for you uh, as well. Because this, in fact, is the ministry of John the Baptist. To take folks who had wandered away, who had come to realize the emptiness or the distance from God in their lives, and to draw these people back into that living relationship. That's why the church stubbornly puts John the Baptist right here for you and for me, right in the way of the elf on the shelf and your 16th trip to the town center. It is so that we may remember all along the way that the story of the coming baby in the manger wrapped in swaddling clothes is not just a sweet story. I mean, it is a sweet story. But it is the story of God Almighty coming in purpose. It is the story of the God of all creation coming in vulnerability not to condemn the world, but to save it. It is a story of God coming to redeem your life and mine, to reach into your wilderness place through His own life, death, and resurrection. It is a story of God coming to save your soul and mine so that we may have a personal and intimate, growing relationship with Him. See, holiday sales and twinkling lights are great at preparing the way for a raucous Christmas morning. But John the Baptist prepares the way for a much deeper joy. He prepares the way for the Savior of the world. The Word of God comes in the wilderness so that your valleys may be filled and your mountains brought low that you might see the salvation of our loving God. Amen.